First off, word check. Transient. What the fuck does that mean? What? <laughs> I didn't graduate, guys. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna, every time you say some some say a word, I, I'm like, oh, okay. Transient means a lot of the residents that are here are not from here, and they people come in and out a lot. Like, oh. There's a lot of fluctuation of people. Ba- in the base city. word transfer. Transfer. Ah, okay. Right. All right. Okay. Welcome, welcome, friends, back to the Lofty Conversation Podcast. I am your co-host, Scott Reitzel, alongside with my trusty colleague and hilarious friend, Rachel Flynn. What's up? Hey. <laughs> How you doing? I still, my voice is still a little uh, <clears throat> hoarse from the uh, Phoenix Open. Oh, from yeah. the waste management. Yeah. My basic ass went to uh, the Waste Management Open on Saturday. How was it? I've you know what? I've lived here for a couple of years now and I've not I've not been. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, for me it was a new talent acquisition day. It's just trying to find a Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get up in that husband material. Yeah. No sale. <laughs> Cuz everybody's on a bachelor party. It's not no one's like it's a lot of like groups of dudes. Like, oh, where are you from? Well, where are you from? Oh, Speaking no. Speaking of where my you're from. My buddy's getting married. You could be my plus one. It's like, we're never, no, no. You know what we should do? You should take our monthly comedy roundup guy. Today we got Tez Johnson here with us. What's going on? What's, What's going up, man? On? What's up, Rachel and Scott? How y'all doing? We're doing great. You should take Tez as, as a plus one to something. Be Yo, a- we would F it up. Damn right. That's, that's almost... That's a movie script right Dangerous. there. Plus it would be great. I'd, I'd go. I'd follow you around and commentate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, wouldn't that be? We could mic you guys, and then I could follow around and like commentate what was going on be, from like the widest perspective ever. That'd be Call it shit. Bad so Humans hilarious. 3. <laughs> yeah. So today, so we, we decided we were going to do this thing. We had so much fun with Tez that we knew we wanted to do more, and not just more as in another show. We wanted Tez back regularly. It was it was overwhelming response, and not just from us. Like we knew it was. Come on, we knew it was going to be fire, right? Wait, it was good. But also, listen to this. This is going to stroke your ego massively here. I have been, you know, we keep, I keep track of the analytics on the podcast. The episode we did with you has seventy five percent as many plays as all of our other episodes. Oh, that's what's up. That's what's up. I thought this was just affirmative action. Our <laughs> listeners, hey. our listeners are not racist. Yeah. Or they could they be. Give the black guy they a chance. Yeah. Hey, but, but wait, I heard, I hear another voice. Yeah, it sounds like we got somebody else in the so, building. Well, tonight. we gave you a job, first of all. So your job was to come back regularly, and you got to bring somebody with you. Because we, we, what we wanted to do was we decided we want to, hi- we got some great comedians around town. Yes, we do. And we want to highlight that. And it's fucking funny to talk about. So we gave you a job. You got to come back and talk to us more. That's that's 50% of your salary, which is not ice. I gave you ice cubes. You get one ice cube per I'll take completion. It. The second half is you got to bring back people. Who you bring with us today? I brought my buddy Derek, man. What's up, Derek? Hello. Derek McFarlane. What's up, man? Hey, man. Good to be here. How How's everyone doing? We're doing good. Doing cool. great. Doing great. 
Yeah. How? Don't be fooled. Derek is so excited to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I can see his face. Yeah. He is jacked up. My face is, you got to see it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't come through the microphone, but it's like. It's happening. It's very facial, you know. Facial. It's very expressive. Very facial. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. That's not something that guys. I can't just go. Guys, yeah, don't facial. don't start saying facial. It's not a good. Hey, girl, my face is strong. You want to get facial with me? Face. <laughs> Girls can walk around all day and be like, "Hey, let's go get facial." <laughs> guys, different meaning. So, real quick, are you, are you from Phoenix? What's up? I am. Yeah, I'm uh, born and raised here. I've uh, lived here my whole life. I've, I moved out of state for like a year or two, but yeah, I'm from here. Um, was born at St. Joseph's Hospital. Oh, yeah. I've had a lot of uh, my a lot of my family has died here, so really feels that means you're committed. Yeah, the circle of life. Yeah. <laughs> do you know? Do you have you ever heard the phrase the the euphemism the chicken is involved but the pig is committed? No. Have you ever heard this? Do you no. know? You neither? No, but this must be like a... That's some country shit. Guys, so you got to forgive Scott. He's from North Carolina. Sometimes he can't help the country no, shit. No, listen, listen. It sounds like a dating euphemism. <laughs> I mean, Yeehaw, friends. Buckle up. It's always the pig that's committed. Well, I was, yeah. was going to say, you're, you're the... That's when you, when you said I've had people died here, yeah. this plays perfectly into this euphemism because the chicken is involved because it's involved in the production of the egg. Mm. The pig is committed because you don't get the barbecue without the pig mm. dying. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. So when people are like, you're not committed, be like, fuck you. I'm the pig on this one. Yeah. I should tell y'all I didn't graduate before you start saying shit like that. I could not put that together. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what's a euphemism? I lost you a you. I lost you a you. A euphemism. You. <laughs> See, and I just was thinking that it was something that every backyard wedding opens up with. <laughs> every person who's ever had a backyard wedding in North Carolina, shotgun wedding shit's like, uh, the pig is committed. Oh. And everyone's like, yes, yes. I, I always wonder when people get married in a backyard. It, ha it has to be the woman's choice. Like, no man can choose that for the wedding. Like, hey, babe, I was thinking we do it at the house. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I wasn't. I didn't. I went along. <laughs> well, that's right. You had a backyard wedding. No, we. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no. Whoa. Okay. Um, well, I mean, you, you had to get married in the church first. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not a wedding unless the Lord has blessed it, dear child. No, we got. No, it wasn't backyard, but it was like <laughs> oh, you, you're more of a patio. <laughs> Patio wedding? No, it was this old farmhouse. <laughs> oh, played right into it. Oh. Hook, line, and sinker. Right. Well, I, what a fuck it. They call this place the plantation. <laughs> oh, That's why he looked at me first. He was like, uh, uh. <laughs> He's my brother. I can say it. He's but it, yeah. yeah. But it was in the backyard. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. Tell me you didn't have any black servers. Just, just tell me <laughs> that. Please, please tell me all the help was white. Yeah, oh yeah, they were super white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they were family. <laughs> oh man. They were like, we'll we'll buy the Coors Light, but y'all motherfuckers are working. <laughs> oh man. All right. So born and raised here. Yeah. What do you have? You ever wanted to go anywhere else? Um, do you like Phoenix? I've I I want to get out of here. I just I don't know. I'd feel odd leaving my friends and family behind because I don't know a lot of people in other states or anything. So 
That's kind of the point, though, right? Yeah, I'd feel lonely. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe do you, I'd feel really well. That's good. Uh, do. Do you have a big circle of friends? Well, do you have a big family? First of all, I do. Well, I guess. Uh, man, I don't really. I have an estranged relationship with my family, so I don't talk to a lot of them. I mean, I've grown apart from them, anyways, in the past few years. So I guess in like a natural way. That I mean, I think yeah. we. Well, we. I mean, I do too. I don't talk to anybody, but my like immediate family yeah. really but yeah. especially when you make that move man it's hard you know but, well, but it's crazy though because you I, you know I've talked to people about like well it would be nice to be closer to family but you don't just because you're close doesn't mean that you're going to see each other yeah it's, I think it's like an overall commitment level to family it doesn't matter how far you live yeah. all I know is my my family is like well whenever I was close to them there's a lot of drama yeah so i kind yeah. of distanced myself on purpose and yeah. my life has been very peaceful since then mm. and i'm like you know what this is kind of nice this is yeah. i don't want to be involved in a lot of the, well that's uh, the thing about adulthood too is you got to make moves for yourself definitely yeah, definitely gotta, yeah so been here been born and raised here where if you if you did go somewhere where would you go um i think uh i mean california seems like it'd be a nice place to go um, I might, I might even want to go check out Colorado. Uh, they have a really good comedy scene out there. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, is that true? Yeah. They feel yeah. like a really, a really, really good comedy scene in Colorado. And so, like in Denver or yeah, other cities? Den- Denver. They have stuff in other smaller towns, but Denver is like a really booming kind of place. Um, uh, San Antonio has a good, uh, comedy scene. Um, there's another place, like there's a couple places in Texas that have pretty good yeah. comedy scenes. Huh. There's a there's a lot of places, man, in cuts that you wouldn't think that comedy's big at. It's a lot of shit going on. There's a lot of comics out there working, man. You, you know, know, I'd want to move uh, like to Canada. I think Canada would be a cool place. Oh, I live. think we I think oh. we would kill it in yeah. other. Sign <laughs> sign me up for Canada really at any yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, but regardless of uh, Canada's awesome. Have you ever, ever been to Canada? I've never been to it's Canada. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think we're aside from that, I think we would kill it because our the accents, I mean, they all sound the same across yeah. the country. <laughs> Well, according to Drake, they sound British. So, <laughs> man's on road. Uh, what? Think, uh, isn't it a requirement? Like, you have to know how to speak French to live in Canada or something like that? You've got to be able to speak two languages? No. There's, like, some kind of prerequisite. She's looked. She's done the research. Look, they've, you know what? They've let me in plenty of times. <laughs> to live there? Or to I mean, to visit, I'm sure it would be fine. But to live in Canada, I think you have to have, like, a certain set of... Valuable skills to be a a citizen. You have to be bilingual, and I guess I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just making. Canadians are big art and contributing to society, but I don't know that speaking, because really, like Quebec City, for instance, they all speak French. But if you go to like Vancouver, no, there's more Asians really than anyone else. (laughs) So I think you're good on the French. You gotta like sushi though, otherwise you starve. I love sushi. Great, perfect. Yes. Vancouver, <laughs> come on in. Yeah, yes. Vancouver's your new place. Yeah, yeah. Vancouver's it. pretty kick ass. Yeah. Canada, man, I don't know. They got free healthcare and shit. Mm. So, I'm feeling a lot of advantages. Yeah. I'll start looking up lofts in Canada. <laughs> so, how long have you been? A, do you consider yourself a working comedian? Uh, I I'm a struggling comedian. 
I make a little bit of money here and there, but it's not it's not any it's not any kind of a real living. Well, first of all, just to clarify, by working, I don't qualify working as making money yeah, necessarily. Yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah. I think I think in here though, we talk about working as working towards whatever your dream or your goal is. Yeah, I'm a working comic. I have I have ideas and goals that I want to you know strive for, but um, I love producing. I produce my own shows. Um, mainly because I'm so anal about the way that other people run their shows and I don't mm-hmm. like being on shows that are really poorly ran, so I put my own shows together. And by show, do you mean what, like stage shows or...? Yeah, I used to run a monthly showcase and then um, the venue that I was uh, running it out of shut down and then I tried running it at a couple of other different venues, but venue owners are really flaky and hard to communicate with, so yes, it's just right. not worth my energy, you know, to... Super facts. Is that is that a? I mean, I would I would assume that's a consistent theme no matter what city you're in. But do you find? I mean, is that is it harder here with that than it is other places? Do you find other places are more friendly to starting stuff like that? Um, well, personally, as a Phoenix comedian, I've had a lot of conversations with my friends about. When out-of-state comics come here, we show a lot of love to them, give them you know, lots right. of booked spots on our shows. We want to put up out-of-towners. But when we go to other states, people don't... Not as welcome. They don't want us there. Uh-huh. It's like we're taking their stage time. We're not, you know, we're just basically Phoenix comics. We're pieces of shit to them. They, you know, it's just really weird. It's like very different. It's not as welcoming in other states when, when we're going there. Do you think that you... Do you think there's something about this town that because I, one of the things that I've realized is moving out here there it's a it's a transient well you know what I would say when I first got here I thought it was real transient yeah. but the more I'm here the more I meet people that have been here their whole lives and they love it and I've never uh, aside from where I'm from in North Carolina where you don't have much option this is the first big city I would say that people are kind of born and raised that I've had experience with but I wonder if this environment of being out here, a lot of us come here because this place makes us happy and we're, we like being here. Do you think that because people are happier being here and they're more just comfortable about the life they're living, that they are more open to being welcoming in that way? Yeah. I mean, I could see that. I think, uh, out here there's so much stage time available that it's not like people are fighting over it. Yeah. Yeah. But in other States where, comedy is super competitive and you've got open mics with like a hundred comedians waiting to go up. You know, if you come in and you take a part of their stage time, it's really hostile. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, how do you think it compares to other cities you've worked in? And you saying, do I, do I agree with, with well, because I think that you, I mean, I, th- I think you've, you've worked, I, I, I'm assuming you can tell me, but I know you've got a, a ton of experience working in other cities mm-hmm. and I just want to get, like your opinion on what do you think it's like to go to another city and um well i can from my experience in philly uh, it is one of them towns where it's very competitive um you know there's cliques you know they bump people bumping is when like let's just say there's a whole list and you're on the list and somebody that's kind of a little bit well known or someone that's big in the town comes and just basically, you've been waiting for two hours, and they just come and get on stage like that. Right. You know, so we call that bumping. A lot of times, if you're at the comedy cellar, like New York or something, and Chris Rock comes in, he's bumping everybody. Like Mitch you know? Hedberg used to have this great joke about how he went to Letterman one time, and he I can't remember who it was. Let's just say it was Madonna or somebody big was on, and he got bumped. Mm-hmm. 
And he said that he sat in the green room and ate, um, uh, I don't know, let's just say it was like watermelon or it was cantaloupe. He sat in the green room and he ate cantaloupe for an hour and got paid $900. And then he called his dad. He was like, Dad, you'll never believe it. I got to meet Letterman, and I sat backstage and ate cantaloupe for $900. His dad was like, did you go on? He was like, well, no, I got bumped. He's like, well, what? What he was like, fuck you, Dad. You never got paid nine hundred dollars to eat cantaloupe. It's <laughs> in the fucking green room. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's real. But um, yeah, Philly's definitely one of them um, cities. You're not gonna just be unknown and just coming from a different town like without really you know having any type of presence and just get on. Um, but out here, I can say me being a new comic, um, kind of coming to the town, it's definitely a, a lot of love and and. People are definitely forthcoming, open, you know. Yeah. So, which is which is good. There's a lot of new comics around here too, which is very um, surprising to me, because a lot of people have been doing it for six months, uh, nine months, a year. Um, I'm used to guys 15, 10, 7, you know, years in, you know. So, um, it's good to see young people going for it. Though I just tell them that you really, if you, this is something you want to do, you got to do this shit. Like yeah. it ain't no spotty shit because, you know. What do you think real. it takes? What do I think it takes? Yeah. Because Derek's like, it's hard. Like, you're struggling. Venue owners suck. Production. You know, what, what is it like? What does it take to keep going? Number one, what, I mean, I, I, I'll go first and I'll let you give your opinion on it. But um, I think location's a big thing. Um, I think originality's a big thing. Um, Why location? Because, I mean, nobody's coming, even with Philly. Philly's a big town, don't get me wrong, but nobody's coming to Philly just to find the next Kevin Hart, you know? Yeah. Nobody's going to, nobody's coming to Phoenix to find the next Eddie Murphy, you know, or the next Chris Rock. I'm not saying it can't happen, but you just have to, location's just a big thing uh, sometimes for me. Of course, um, in the comedy world, we know everybody fl uh, fluctuate the New York City or in L.A., you know, but it's kind of like oversaturated. That doesn't mean don't go there and do your shit. But you got 200,000 people that are moving to L.A. per day. I've made that number up, by the way. But you know what I'm saying? Don't like, fact check them, everyone. Yeah, That's not, not real fact check stats. this shit, all right? I did not graduate. But um, We know someone that could fact check, though. Hey, hey there, there we go. But, yeah, my, I mean, I just think it takes you just grinding and just trying to – a lot of networking. A yeah. lot of networking. That's the biggest thing. Being good, number one. And networking are the and location. Those are the three things. Okay. You know, and and comedy is is we we'll always say, man, comedy is one of them things where like you can be 15 years in and be in the same spot, mm -hmm. and that's that's the reality of it. You know, you hear all this shit. Chase your dreams. Chase your dreams. Ain't nobody going to fucking comedy club at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Your ass need to get a job. <laughs> you know. So that's my opinion on it. How you feel about it, Derek? Uh, I think uh, you really need to love comedy to be able to do it because otherwise, if you're not doing it because you enjoy writing and performing and making people laugh, it's going to eat you alive. There's right. a lot of disappointment and letdown and just, it's really tough, you know, like you're going to, you're going to hit your head against the wall a lot. So one of the things that I've been working on is like, you'll go through waves where you get booked a lot and you get to do all these great shows. And then you'll go through waves where you don't get booked at all. And you can't think of, you know, you hit a writer's block and you feel stuck. Yeah. But, uh, it's really important to focus on doing it because you like doing it 
and because you have fun doing it. Because uh, if you don't have fun doing it, you're gonna end up quitting. You're gonna be like, "Fuck this, man! Why am I doing this?" I feel and you like you just it, did a big show, though, didn't you? I did, but that was that was the biggest show I've done in the last four or five months. Like I've just been grinding and and writing and hitting mics, and then you get a big opportunity, and then it's gone. You know. And my buddy just broke it down for me last night when we were hanging out. He's like, you know, a lot of people are trying to work towards being a big headliner, like a nationally touring headliner. But he's like, if you think about it, let's say you work 30 weekends out of the year as a headliner and you make $1,000 a weekend, that's $30,000 a year. Like there's not a lot of money in it, you know, but everyone has this idea because you see Chris Rock work in stadiums or, you know, all these huge comedians. Well, you know, only a very select few actually make it to that level. Yeah. But it's the, the 1%. Was, yeah. yeah, but I had somebody explain to me, so I, I don't know anything really about golf, and this was not even this weekend. It was like a month ago. But I have um, one, of our, the, one of our friends in our group, Travis, was talking to me about how there's, a, there's a, this whole um, group of golfers that are like a sub top level, but they're still pros and they basically play at like the pro am level and they're still making enough to it's it, a lot of us might consider it not a lot, but a lot of these guys are still making, even if it's low six figures, that's well above average of a normal salary across yeah. America. And they're still, I, you know, I, I think it's kind of a relative measure of success because a lot of people would look at those guys and they'd be like, well, you're still successful, but because they're not on the tour, because they're not on the PGA tour, they may not consider themselves successful, or maybe they consider yeah. themselves less than, but they still could have a completely successful career. Is that, can you get that from comedy? Can you get some level of that? Or I think you can use it to offset your income. Right. Like, and it's like a passion that you can have where you can make some income off of it and be happy. But one of the things is you have to be good at other things too Facts. to make it work. Like you could, you got to be really good at selling merch or you can pick up some acting roles or whatever. You've got to be very versatile. Yeah. Would you, if I came to you tomorrow and said, listen, you're going to be, I can offer you a career as like a career commercial man and you can get, you can have kind of like a middle level career as a comedian, but you could still make, a million dollars a year. Sign me the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't oh. it funny? Because you always hear this cult. It's like, because I used to be, and it was not successful and blah, blah, blah. We just did it for the fun. But in my younger days, I was in a band and we traveled and we, we would get on like some shitty tours and go up the East coast. And there were all these guys, you know, you see, I have all these bands that I grew up with or I came up through college And when I first, before I started playing in a band, I would see them even at a smaller medium club, and I would think these guys are living the dream. Like they are here. This place is packed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's two, even as the smallest place, it'd be like 200 people packed in there, but just, and they're, but they're playing every night. And then I, now that I'm an adult and I have a real salary and I realize those guys are not making any money at yeah. all, nothing, but they, you still, I mean, you know, they might get, during the summer, maybe they could get they could open a stage on Warp Tour or something, yeah. but they're still not making any. Everybody around them thinks they're super successful, yeah, but they're making no money. But then you look at people like if you if you came into me and told me, hey, listen, you could be a backup kicker, 
You're never, you're never going to play. <laughs> I would love to be a backup kicker. But, but here, we're going to give you... Yeah. Best professional But we're going to give you job. high six figures a year. I'm like, uh-huh. come, you take my... I will hobble out there with one leg. You can uh-huh. cut off a leg, and I'll still do that. Well, well I, th- I think everything is relative, though, right? Yeah. Because if I could do what I love to do for a living, sometimes that's not a price on... That's, that's not a, a, a price on that, right? So when you look at the golfer that's, that's not looked at as, you know, this elite pro golfer or you have the – think about it. It's, it's, we're going to look at you like you're a success, but think about the guys that are playing D-League that are making over 100000 or somebody that's sitting on the bench in the NBA. They're, we're looking at them as they're successful, but they're around other successful people. Yeah, that, they don't uh, think the, they in are. The, in the thing that they love. So yeah. I, always, I always wonder because you even – you know, you watch 30 for 30s or how athletes went broke. Like, they're in a clubhouse with guys that are, back in the day, it was Deion Sanders and them. Like, there was jewelry um, guys coming in the locker room selling jewelry. There was guys buying property. There was guys buying this car and that car. So they always felt like they had to keep up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they, they it's in our eyes, you're doing what you get, the, you're doing what you love. But they're looking at like, hold up, but this dude's starting and I'm sitting on, I'm sitting on the bench and I'm getting put in the game with one minute left on the clock. So yeah. it's all relative, though, right? But my thing, we look at it like you're, you, you're, you're getting paid to do what you love. You know what I'm saying? Is it a struggle that you're happy with? Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said about uh, living your life the way that you want to live it uh, and not waiting to do the things that you want to do. My uncle uh, would always give me shit about, he's like, you need to make more money. You got to get a good job. And he had this whole retirement plan. He was two years away from retiring and then he died and he couldn't, he never spent any of his retirement money. And like, at that point I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do what I want to do right now and not like wait to do it. And my buddy was telling me, um, we were hanging out and I told him about my uncle and he's like, uh, there's a saying that, uh, every man has two lives, and your second life starts when you realize that you only have one. Yeah, which uh, I think that's a pretty cool. I saying. think it's oh, true. That's I think it's saying. totally true. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, because that's I grew, up, I mean, I I grew up, th- you know, thinking that there was a certain financial level or certain things that I would need to be at a status because I grew up around certain family members and people that had these things, and and now that I'm in my mid thirties. I'm, and I think a lot of people don't even hit it, you know, or maybe they never even realize it. But I look at it now as where if I can really have no financial obligation or responsibility to anybody else or be tied down in that way, I'm pretty successful as long as I can kind of move and shake how I want when I want and and kind of control my life that way. I don't have to have a yacht or, you know, I look at it now. I'm like, what the fuck would I do if I had a yacht? Like, <laughs> literally, if I if I had that. What would I do with that thing? I mean, I don't know. It's I wild. Am, uh, I'm 32, but I am completely debt-free. So I don't make a lot of money, Same. but I have it's no tough. debt. I have zero debt. Yeah. So I just live. You know, I pay my rent. I have uh, my car insurance payment and my phone bill. And that's that's it. basically yeah. it. You know. But you know who the most successful people in life are, though? Criminals. <laughs> I'm serious. True. It's true. Because think about it. You, you go to jail. You're around other criminals. There's a lot of crime in jail. You're in there doing what you love to do. You don't have no fucking rent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You have no bills. You get to eat for free. Like, you're doing what you love for free. Scott, for, you know what I'm saying? Isn't it crazy how... Chilling. Chilling, just, you know Chilling. what I mean? 
Straight chilling. Stabbing motherfuckers from that. Chilling and stealing. <laughs> stealing and chilling. We had a maximum. <laughs> well, had. We still have. I'm going to put that on a shirt. Stealing and chilling. Stealing and chilling. <laughs> Stealing and chilling. Stealing and chilling your hearts, ladies. That's gonna be that's gonna be your dog's logo. Yes, yeah. But we had we have we've got a maximum security prison in the town I grew up in. And my mom used to know some nurses that worked on medical staff there. And she was like, A lot of these people that are in here that will be in here forever, they're content, they're happy. Like they cause they're proud whatever they did to get in there. Not all of them, probably not even the majority, but there's plenty of them that are proud of like, until they got busted, like they were the best robber yeah. or, you know, and they're, but then they also see it as they have this, they've kind of hit that second chance of their life where, okay, now I get this free education that I never would have had before. Yeah. Like they can sit in there and they can study and go to college. And which, which, which blows my mind. I got a cousin doing life that like calls home and like tells me he got his college degree. I'm like, motherfucker for what? Like, you're never going to use it. Like, you're in prison for But that's also, isn't that, isn't that a perfect point that it's a completely personal choice? Like, it doesn't really matter. My boss now, he doesn't care what I went to college for. He doesn't care where I went to college. It's not, it's not really for him. And I think we're getting to the point where, you know, it used to be when I was younger that a, a bachelor's was mandatory. Yeah. Now it's still kind of mandatory, but it's not so relevant really anymore for a normal job. Like... Not really. I think it's your perspective on it. I I would never go. I, I would never go get a master's if it didn't benefit me. But if I was in jail and I'm going to school, what, what am I doing? Like, yeah, yeah. When yeah. you're out, you want it to benefit you, and when you're in jail, and that's it. It's. I feel like it means more. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're getting opportunities that you you never thought that you wanted, that you you actually get to do. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you have the time. You know, like, man, that's not even being funny. Like, that's being, like, you know what I mean? Like, Do you think yeah. anybody ever becomes a comedian in jail? Oh, my gosh. Uh, that's actually when I started being my comedy career. Anyway, listen, why we bringing up old shit? Um, <laughs> yeah, last time I called you out about weed, and then you made a joke about the cops, and the cops showed up. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, man. I've been mean to apologize about that. Well, we do live in the projects now, so it shit changed overnight. What? When did you... When did you realize you were funny in your own head? Not like I asked Taz this first time he was here because I think no matter what you're really good at, at a certain point in your life, you realize it in your own head that, hey, I, I could do this if I put something behind it. When did you, how young were you when you thought you were actually funny? Um, so the first time that I actually thought that I was funny, uh, I was, uh, it was my first year in the comedy. And I just tried it because everybody had encouraged me and I've always been goofy, you know, and just that's kind of like comedy is a coping mechanism for a lot of people. So it was how I got through a lot of difficult times. Yeah. Uh, so I've always been good at making people laugh just to make uh, to like ease tension and weird situations and things. Um, but I was performing at like one of the worst open mics in town. It's like notoriously famous for being a horrible open mic. It's closed down now, but it was chop and walk out in Scottsdale, and uh, me and my buddy got there. We were the last two to go up. It's like a mic that runs all night. There was one person in the audience that wasn't a comedian, so it was basically, you know, me and my buddy Glennon and then the host of the mic and then one guy who was, like, <laughs> sitting there. And So basically the population of this room. <laughs> right. But 
I made that guy laugh so hard that he almost fell out of his chair. Like he was like hitting his knee. He was slapping his knee. He was hitting the table. Do you remember the bits you were doing? What? Yeah. So it was like a joke that I just wrote uh, about um, like how much I hate kids. And I'm like, haven't, I'm like, I hate kids mostly because I look like one and they don't respect me. And then I'm like, haven't you ever just wanted to uppercut a kid through the ceiling, <laughs> Mortal Kombat style? And then I do, like, I did the act out, excellent, excellent, superb, unreal, and like this whole bit about how I'm juggling a kid with my fist, you know? And it was, I mean, it's such a, it's like such a stupid joke, yeah. but whenever, um, you know, sometimes you can be in, a, in front of a room full of people and none of them will laugh. But if you can kill in front of one person, then that's usually an indicator that you'll have success in front of a larger crowd. Like, cause you're, you know, it's really hard to make, to do that in front of nobody because there's nobody there. Like usually yeah. laughter is very infectious. Yes. So if you got a large group of people, chances are you're going to have a lot of success because they're going to laugh just because there's more people there, you know, but one guy that's a, it's a real test. Like it's a real thing, you know? So that's whenever I've, I'm like, maybe I am pretty funny. Maybe yeah. I can do this. It's the best feeling in the world because I remember when I was playing music and we would, people, it was the same thing. I mean, I, I've always said that no matter any kind of performance I'm doing like that, I would rather have a small venue that's packed than a large venue. That, But the larger point is if if it could be five people, but if, if they're like really into it and especially as a musician, if they know some of the words – it just changes your whole vibe on stage yeah. because you realize you're, you're playing to people that really want to be there. And I would imagine, I've never done any comedy, but we always, we joke about it a lot. Tez has been trying to drag me mm-hmm. and I'm like, inching towards doing it. Yes. He's got me committed at some point to doing three minutes. Yeah. Come to my show. Yeah. Come oh, to my show, man. It's on Wednesdays. It's a an open mic with. Three, Where is it? Where is it at? Wednesdays. Uh, boycott in Melrose District. Boycott Seventh uh, Avenue and just north of Indian School. What's does they have a website or do you have a website? I do. So I have my um, Facebook page is Castaway Comedy. That's like my production brand, and then so I'll post whatever shows I'm doing on there on that page. Um, I have a website, which has uh, a list of like my upcoming shows. Yeah. All my Wednesday shows are listed on my calendar, and it's a it's a very fun show. I just started it, so we're only coming up on our third show at the new venue, but it's been pretty fun. It's been yeah. going well. That's uh, <clears throat> when I was telling you the other night that I was going to do comedy. Yeah, that's why I, that's why I was going. We'll do it. I'll, I'll I'll commit to it. I mean, it'll probably like and 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 your and your lovely co-host over here also. We got to get her on. She stage. wants to do it. She's acting coy, but she she wants. Dude, she wishes she was a comedian. I, I want to do it. It's. Listen, Something I've always wanted to do, but I got to be honest, there's a set of balls I just don't think I have No, for she it. can do it. So well, let me tell you this. So I have, I, I try to surround myself with people. I love to laugh, whether I have a super dark sense of humor, but I also have a stupid sense of humor. And I think I can get down with kind of anything. I love to read people and kind of get into the zone that they're in. And I... So I, I genuinely, I generally try to surround myself with people that make me laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the funniest people that I've ever met yeah. just naturally, <laughs> just yeah, naturally throughout her life. And I, it, that's, that is why, I mean, we've obviously become much deeper friends than that, but I, I, 
it, it would, it's rare that I've met a funnier person in my natural life. That's the trauma. The trauma. It's the trauma. I mean, that's where it normally comes yeah. from. Yeah. Most yeah. people um, who are good at comedy have to have a certain level of damage. Uh, yeah. That's kind of like it just goes hand in hand. It's a real thing. Have you ever been married? No. Oh, <laughs> Hell no. So we're getting, I, I still think we're like 60 40 on the divorce versus single club on this show. Yeah. Hold up. Have you had, yeah, you both of us. You oh, both wow. been he married? Got married. He got married at the plantation, divorced <laughs> in the courthouse. Okay, okay. And I, uh, I got married at the botanical garden. I didn't even go to the courthouse. I just got the papers sent to me. Hold, hold up, hold up. What, you you've really been married before? I've really been married. Oh man! Some poor bastard actually lined up for that. Was uh, was he a foreign? You said he like foreign. No. no. You know what's funny? That maybe that's why I went wrong because he's the only one of the only foreign. You're like, why do you have your social security number tattooed on your ribs? Uh, No, he was. You know what? So I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell you this. I we worked together, Uh, and so you know, whenever you see some, 100%. But I'm 22, right? I don't know any better yet. So you want to get married? I would only see him at work. So shirt, tie, khakis. You know, your typical white. Boy, shit. You don't right, see all the fine. empty Paps blue ribbon cans no. at his house. So the first time he ever, I saw him out of work, homeboy was wearing a Celtics jersey, nothing underneath, yeah. jorts, yeah. like baggy jorts and Adidas high tops and an earring, like right. a diamond stud in. And he was like, I want him. And I was like, no, <laughs> uh, the exact opposite. I was like, listen. Eminem, you got to go back to the 313. I don't know you. We are not dating. I don't know this person. Who is this person? Um, so needless to say, it, it was a project. Yeah. Uh, but I, I took it on. Uh. Definitely took on that project. Oh, no. Regret, regretfully so. And then she, she, and now she got in, it as far as she could and sent it on its way. Yep. And now he's, um, you know. Fly, little bird. He's fly. Ve- now he's very, very successful, loves Lululemon, and uh, <laughs> is fucking another girl. <laughs> so uh, raising raising her child. Oh, things. wow. So, uh, it she, happens. She sure? sent me a thank you card. Uh, yeah, no, no, she didn't. I, I was about to say she sent her a thank you. I used yeah. to get mad about like my exes, and I'm like, you know what? She's fucking somebody else's life up now. Shout out to shout out to her. You know what I mean? I'm cool. I'm so good she's on. not in your bed anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, oh she... my god, shit, yo. How long did she lay there? Oh, she she <laughs> definitely. Forever. Referring back to our last episode, yeah. she definitely moved out like two days after this after the last <laughs> podcast. I, I told her she had to pay rent, and she and she she flipped the story like, on. Like I was saying something wrong. There. She was like, "I this is about me." I was like, "Bitch, you still in my house? Like yeah. I don't. We're gonna have to do something." Scott, we're home wreckers. <laughs> well, does that make us home wreckers? Listen, you got to be good at something. Yeah. <laughs> Or life fixers, right? Life, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know what? Maybe I, we're just so putting... I make jokes all the time, but I will say that you know he's very happy with what he's doing, and I'm happy for him. I feel yeah. like you know what it wasn't meant to be between you and I. I'm happy. You're happy. Yeah. Keep it moving. Yeah, that's it's life, right? It's life. Maybe yeah. we just help people find their right path earlier than they would have naturally. Yeah. Well, shit, I'm not sacrificing no time for that shit. Fuck that. Find your <laughs> shit on your own. I, I didn't. My, me and my kids' mom, 17 years off and on. Listen, I ain't taking on no projects. I'd have been a couple girls' projects. I'm cool. I feel like um. You wait. You've been a. You've been in a couple girls' projects, or you have been a couple. Girls I've projects. definitely <laughs> been Both. in the project. I've been Both. in the projects, and I've been a couple. Been in a couple girls' projects. 
However way you want to twist it. What right? makes Captain Saver Bro has yeah. retired. Captain ah, Saver Captain Bro. Saver Bro. I like that. Captain Saver Bro has hung up her hat. All right. If you need, if you need to be saved, Listen, I'm not your that, girl. There's a lot of money floating around in this room tonight because that's two shirts. That's a, that's another one. Captain, Captain Saver Bro. bro. That's, you that's, make it, I'll wear like it. Bet. Oh no, I'm a copyright it first. Oh, we're we're gonna gonna okay. All right. We gotta split it. Stealing stealing and chilling. Split it four ways. Yeah, we gotta come up with a shit ton of ideas. Split money four ways is not no. Listen, I've been in a band. When you gotta split money four or five ways, (laughs) it does not go well. My dad owns a car dealership. (laughs) (laughs) What what makes you happy to write about? What do you like? What are your favorite subjects to write about? Um my favorite subjects to write about, if I can actually twist it into something funny, is just like the weird fucked up shit that happened in my childhood that nobody would have expected you know like um one of the bits that really works well and i'm still learning how to write but uh one of the bits that really works well is um whenever i was 14 i started smoking weed but i didn't know where to get weed from so i would get it from my aunt because she smoked crack (laughs) so (laughs) one of the earliest memories i have is like purchasing weed at a crack house which you've if you've never bought weed from a crack house, it's a lot like buying crack from a crack house. <laughs> like, it's very similar. So it's just, I don't know. And it's, like, it's just real experiences mm. that, you know, just get... It, when you go through stuff like that as a kid, it really fucking makes you grow up pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish people you know? could see you right now because all I can picture is you with the glasses and the whole thing <laughs> showing up to the crack house. <laughs> You know, yeah. we got to do it behind the uh, music on Derek, me. and we, he's got to drive us by this crack house because yeah. we know it's in town. Yep, <laughs> it was right there. Uh, I was just looking for some marijuana. Yeah. Uh, my aunt said to ask for Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. What are these white oh, rocks? Yeah. In my yeah. <laughs> he's not home right now. Okay, yeah. uh, can you can I leave him a note? Yeah. <laughs> He's here to get some weed. Oh, Here's my email. Hey, do you have a pencil? I can just. I just want to. I just want to jot this down real quick. Yep. Mm-hmm. My I, name I, is Derek. I think we all have some weird uh, drug buying experiences or funny shit that's ever happened to us in our life, man. <laughs> like drugs is now that weed is like legal in a lot of places. It's just. It's crazy to think about the shit you used to do to get drugs. You know what I mean? Well, in the, in the fact I've never bought drugs. Like I went. That's the only, like we just like not relatable. I wish that I could and relate. And what's, what's great is you don't. can tell you can tell that you've never bought drugs. Oh, hundred like, percent. Yeah. I actually have just always just by said, the fact that you said I've never yeah. bought drugs. She's like, let the record show. So, I always said if future employers, I have never bought. I would say never. No, I. I this would, is Rachel Flynn confirming that I have never, I have never bought drugs. These are not the faults of Rachel. But you can tell. I have though, never like, purchased. Never bought drugs. A drug paraphernalia. While she was holding her collar open, <laughs> I have never ever brought purchased I marijuana. I have never in my purchased life. any kind of. Martez Johnson, do you have the weed? I could sell it. I would be the most. You would never suspect it. I could walk around handshaking everybody Officer, in town, and I've they would never purchased <laughs> the, mari- the drugs. Uh, is it what do they call cocaine, Mary Who's Jane? We? No. <laughs> what do they call cocaine, Mary? <laughs> what's the what, no? What's the street like chick name Blow? for cocaine? A uh, white girl? Uh, white girl. Becky? What, what is girl. it? Yeah, any, any white girl. What, they call it booger sugar. <laughs> so that, no. Okay, Derek, see, this, Derek and I are the same because that's the... the Somebody asked. They were like, "Do you guys got any?" And 
like whatever. I'm gonna say Mary Jane for the sake of it. And I'm and and my girlfriends know what they're talking about. I'm like, guys, what are we talking about? <laughs> and they're like, you really don't know? I'm like, no. What? Who's this chick? Like I I had no idea. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> they're like that's that's like the street name for cocaine. Uh-huh. I'm like. Why don't we just say Coke, blow, <laughs> booger sugar? I like I literally went through like four names. Like, why are we why are we calling it that? It's just somebody's calling it Becky. Yeah. Becky. Yeah. Super, yes. Super like, white lady name. I think I think Why are we doing this? We're putting in a lot of work here. Yeah. Just call it Coke. You got any Karen? Yeah. Some Karen. <laughs> it's so funny because like you watch you watch um like how people get taken down and like big big drug dealers and shit. They still talking like code yeah. on the phone. Like, motherfucker, I think the cops know what you mean <laughs> they know. Yeah, when you say, is the Becky here? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? What time is she arriving? Yeah. <laughs> so so would you say, like, were you, I guess it's not really, because, like, even living in the outskirts of Philly. Does this dude just flip it on us? Is he flipping it? Yeah, he is. I, is, this well, question, is this question coming yeah, my way? Yeah, let him roll it. Okay. Let him roll it. All right, hit me. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out because I mean, it, like, even it. like, and, and I grew up in like a pretty mixed school, like money, everything, like, and I'd see like the whitest of the white girls. Oh, like, he used to talk about these things that used to happen at his school, and I, I was going to title the last episode on Black Schedule now. <laughs> that was dope what you did too, by the way. <laughs> But I mean, I've seen like the whitest of the white girls, like preppy of the preppiest, money of the moneyest, be like in the bathroom. For money me. of the moneyest. That's money what of I the moneyest. Put that on a shirt, baby. But like, literally, like you know, coming out like, like oh my gosh, like you know. I was. Oh, white people fucking love cocaine. Oh my god, dude, love it. You know what? I'm sure because I did. I I went to. It comes out. Oh, like <laughs> our high school. We had a sailing team. She's like, I've okay. probably done so cocaine. Was, I just didn't know it. It was really. <laughs> It was really white. Don't get mad at me for this, but we had what was called the Metco program. So like the kids, the, and I'm gonna say the kids, but the uh, the uh, darker students, um, they they, actually, they took yeah, the inner I, city I, kids. I don't know. They, yeah, I don't know how to say it. All right, because everyone's sensitive, and I don't know how to say it. Okay, but we're not sensitive. Uh, we, black kids. We, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> no, no, no. They they would take buses. To come out to If I can say that I got married on a plantation, well, you can okay. say the black kids in my... I love how you changed the com- comedian story from watermelon to cantaloupe. Right. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. What was it? Watermelon? No, cantaloupe. <laughs> watermelon? <laughs> it was watermelon. No. There's no right way to say black kids and buses in one sentence. Okay? It just doesn't... You know what I mean? Like, how do you make that work? I, I don't... I didn't know how. I, so, I think but you're that, doing great. That is what we did. I we think would you're doing have great. that's how we got our culture and diversity is we had to bus it in. Send in some culture. We really need to let's get you guys some culture. Can y'all go out and get some of that culture? (laughs) Get the Marcus. Have you you heard of rap music? Let's bring some of that down yonder. No, I'm just joking. Um, No, but I'm sure. I'm honestly, I'm sure that there was plenty. Like, I just was so immune. I I didn't. I didn't know. I had no idea what was going on. Sheltered. Sheltered, times ten. I mean, I literally in high school. Nope. I really? had no idea what was going on. I, I was in eighth grade. I will never forget it. And we're sitting at the cafeteria. You know, everyone's at the table. Girls are talking about wearing thongs and doing... I was like having sex. I was 12 years old. And I was like, what, is, what do you mean? What's a thong? <laughs> oh, it's like, it's, like, it's like wedgie all the time? Sick. <laughs> like, I literally, I was... Because I, I spent a lot of time in Pennsylvania... Like as a kid, and then we moved oh, what, to what part? Harrisburg. 
Oh, okay, okay. Um, and my mom, my mom stayed at home with us. Like, I just... White as fuck. White, yeah. <laughs> yeah. White as fuck. It's ba- it was bad. And it's embarrassing. I mean, See, we bros, I'm we bros grew up white as fuck, just like really different white as fuck. Yeah. 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 Did you did were did you know like, what would you consider something that is black as fuck? How much time we got left? <laughs> we, got, we got plenty of time. Um, you know this. Is know. Like, you I know just, this is our fa- our so for our favorite topic. Derek is is racial humor. Okay. We love stereotypes. We, uh, love we have a, we have a part of the episode when I'm on called the Black Schedule. Yeah. <laughs> we're, hey, hey, we're on Black Schedule we're, now. Now you guys ready for Black Schedule? He's like, what? Week? What kind of time we got? We're on Black Schedule, bro. You know what? Hip hop. That 30 minutes just turned into an hour. <laughs> yeah. Black Black Schedule. Um, he didn't bring that peach moscato this time. <laughs> no, he didn't. I was. I told him. I brought time. some cheap ass vodka. Black peach, schedule. Peach <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Hip hop culture is is taking over the world, man. So I think that what you could say was was super black back in the day is everybody. Like, but what about right now? What's something though? Like, like what's something? So me like let's get to like listen. Lanes on the way still, here is not that dark. Not that black anymore. Okay, no, not listen, that black. Like still to this day, right now. Getting married on a plantation is white <laughs> as fuck. It's white as fuck. So there's got to be something now that is like, um something that's that's black as fuck. Um, ca- calling out of work and then posting pictures of you on a fucking yacht. <laughs> like uh, what's my man? I'm from Philly. Um, Dion Waiters. How you gonna call out a basketball game and say you're sick and then post up pictures in Miami on a yacht? Some black ass shit right there. Shout out to you though, Dion Waiters. You're making it. You're on a yacht somewhere. You made me proud, but I was like, Philly in the building. Call out of work and show you in at work, motherfucker. He's on that yacht that we said we didn't want to own. <laughs> yeah. He bought it. Yeah. He bought it. What do you, can you, do you write jokes for other people ever? Um, No, I don't Shh, write don't jokes for, for other people. I've written some. some well, rules. no, I asked because not, but because I, sometimes I think like we'll have conversations or I'll, when you asked me the other day, hey, I want you to come up and get on stage. I came home that night and I started like trying to write jokes and let's be clear. Let's set the benchmark. I know nothing about actually writing jokes and it's much harder to do when you're trying to do it. But a lot of times I feel like if somebody is a good writer, I mean, there are plenty of people that make a career off of just being great comedic writers. Mm -hmm. That's why I asked, like, can you help me is what I'm getting at. Yes. I've never written (laughs) jokes for anybody, but (laughs) me and my friends have written jokes together, Mm -hmm. like where we come up with an idea, but then I'm like, that's yours. Like, uh, Glendon, we wrote one of his, one of my favorite jokes that he has. Sounds like Glendon's going to have to end up here in a chair. Oh yeah. Well, he'll, he's, He'll uh, control the whole conversation, so just be prepared for that. <laughs> Glendon, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we got said. But um, so he had this bit about the Cookie Monster, and he's like, "I hate Sesame Street because they portray Cookie Monster as a crackhead." He's like, "So was my uncle, but that doesn't make him a monster." And I, and I was like, "That was his joke," and I'm like, "Dude, you should run with that because I also have family members who are crackheads." Yeah. And I'm like, "What if Cookie Monster had real crackhead tendencies? Like, hey, like let me borrow, you know, some money so I can get two cookies." 
or something, you know, like running low on yeah, chocolate chips. Yeah, how about you know me, uh, two cookies till me get me check on Friday. Was, you know, just like crackhead shit. So we started coming up with all this funny shit about Cookie Monster being a crackhead. Yeah. How about you give me three cookies, then me gonna sell two cookies and come back and have four cookies. <laughs> That's two for me and two for you. But me not gonna lie, me gonna eat one cookie just to help me get my mind right, you know, to help me think. (laughs) Make him a real crackhead, you know. So, so we were up all night, you know. That was when back in our drinking heyday, and we were just getting drunk, fucking coming up with all this shit about how Cookie Monster could really be a crackhead. And then, like, that's one of his best jokes, and it's one of my favorite jokes that he does. I love the thought of evil people just being terrible at being evil. Like I love. What do you I'm feel like are things saying. you can't touch? Because I feel like you go we're hard in honky honky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't. Yeah. So my, I feel like we've entered a society where, like, ev- you know, everybody is offended. That is a joke, but it's yeah, true. Everyone's yeah. offended. So are there Everyone. certain things you guys won't touch? Certain topics you won't touch? Um, I just stay with things that I personally have had experience with, but. Glendon was trying to help me write a joke one time and he threw in shit that I can't say. He's like, you, he wanted me to like drop an N-bomb in my joke. And I'm like, Glendon, I can't say that. He's like, dude, he's like, it's fine. <laughs> like, he's like giving me Narrators, permission. It was I'm not like, fine. I'm like, that's not like, you can clearly tell that I don't write like that. You know? yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it's not going to sound okay. Well, I thought, I've always had this idea in my head that it would be hilarious to sit on stage with Tez for like 15 to 20 minutes and just go back and forth on like dumb shit that like white versus black scenarios. But a part of me thinks it would be much better because we would be, not only would we keep each other on check in check on what we we're a natural gut check on what the limits are, but we also are there like I would have no problem being like, dude, you can push that one harder on white people. Like we're not going to, you know, and I think it would be, I, I, that's something that I feel like in this age of, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that it just feels like that would be such a breath of fresh air to me. So here's what I've noticed. I have uh, a few jokes where I rip white people a lot because um, I'm actually like I grew up in a really diverse neighborhood. I lived, I lived in the projects like half my family is Mexican. The other half is white trash. So like I, I have a lot of um, – like just I don't know bitterness towards white people sometimes because I feel like they're very you know hoity-toity or whatever. So I have a joke where and this is a real story. So I tell the story um, where I got written up at my job because in the group chat somebody was complaining about not getting their Uber Eats fast enough, and it was this big group chat with like 400 people in it. And I typed in white, sounds horrible. Yeah, I, t- I typed in white people <laughs> problems in my work group chat because I thought it was funny. So I got written up and like they pulled me aside and like uh, the main owner of the company got upset and he made my team lead write me up. My team lead just happens to be a black guy. So I got written up by a black guy for saying white people problems at work, which I thought was ironic and hilarious. And he calls me in his office. He's like, yo, D, I got to write you up, man. He's like, why did you say that? And I'm like, dude, wasn't it funny? He's like, and I'm a comic. Yeah. He's like. Yeah, it was funny. (laughs) He definitely reinforced that it was funny, but he's like, you can't say that shit because they'll write you up for it. I don't know. It was weird. But I tell that joke, it kills in front of like like an ethnic 
audience. Like if I'm in a bar with a lot of different ethnicities, it fucking kills. Yeah. But if I do that in front of a like a, a white audience, crickets. Like they get so uptight. Like you, it's almost like how how flexible are you in your your show? And this is a question for both of you. Like, is you because is it? I imagine you have some idea of what's in your head, but how much do you pivot based on what shows up? Oh yeah, you go first, dude. I gotta. Uh, um, I mean, for me, I pivot off any like everything. I'm, I'm I use I use my jokes, but I like crowd work. Um. So I kind of feel the energy. Energy is everything. That's going to go back to a question I wanted to ask you. But, yeah, man, uh, going in, if, if I see, I can look at how people are dressed. I can look at just feel the energy. You know, so it's like showing up to a fishing spot and knowing if there's fish in the pond. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of, you'll see, like, I don't really, a lot of comics go on their phone or have paper of stuff they wrote that week. I've never been that comic. You know, I'm going to say what I know. And then go off what I feel. Yeah. And then if I can remember a couple jokes that I had maybe through the last couple of days, I'll try to throw them in. But I kind of challenged myself the last two years to just, because D-Ray Davis goes up every night and does something different. And there's a lot of different comics that do that. And I've just been challenging myself. I, I need to get back to writing. But, like, I like the challenge. I like going up there being nervous as shit. And then killing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or going up there and just not giving a fuck and still. Because when you get on stage, like, how kind of how me and him met. Like, when I go and do an open mic and there's all comics there, if the host comes up to me and says, damn, dude, good shit. I know nine times out of ten he's a host. He's been doing this shit for a while. He feels me. Or, or a couple other comics that come up and say, oh, good shit. All right. Derek said good shit. I, I, I kind of know his. I'm getting to know him. I know my shit's hitting, you know what I mean? It might yeah. not it'd be the comics that don't really know, really have a deep passion and love and understand the movements and the time and in the spacing of that joke, even if it was a joke off the top, you know? So that's how it is for me. I'm, I'm always shifting based off of the audience because uh, there's a couple of different things you can do. If they're not enjoying what you're putting out, you can double down and go twice as hard yeah. and try to earn their respect. Or you have to adjust your jokes based off of what the audience is feeling. I mean, you've got to you've got to play the room. You've got to know your audience. Uh, like the crowds where a lot of my um, cer certain jokes don't hit with like older crowds or like blue collar crowds. And if I realize that after I've done a set there two or three times, I change my set. I'm like, okay, they don't like those jokes, so I'll just do these jokes. And then, you know, I'll have a good set in that room. You got to play to the room sometimes. Yeah. You know, some comics are good enough to where they don't have to play to the room. Mm. And just by being, by going against the grain, you can win an audience over by just sticking to what you're doing. Yeah. But it takes a lot of skill and like a lot of commitment. But for the most part, you've got to be kind of like a chameleon, just like with any social situation. Yeah. You've got to know how to like adjust to what other people are feeling. Did you? How long did it take you to get comfortable being up on stage? Uh, probably about a a year, two years before I got really comfortable. But up until that point, I was nervous every time. Yeah, like I was. Do you uh, like the? Do you do you do you get adrenaline out of it, or do you prefer to be? Are you? Because I know you. I know Tez. When when you go up, you like the adrenaline. Like you're a high energy dude. And the way that you move around, you you kind of have to come out with that. But yeah. some people want to just be like in a relaxed flow. What do you, 
It changes. It's always changing. Like when I when I first started, um, I was so nervous that I would pace back and forth on the stage a lot. I would walk around. I would tell a joke and I wouldn't give the audience time to laugh. I would just step all over my laughter. Yeah. Um, but it was a it was like a huge rush. But now, like there will be it'll be different, you know, based on what type of crowd it is, what type of venue. So some nights I can go up and be very relaxed and tell like be really deadpan and like the the audience will react to that and yeah. it feels like it's almost like being in this groove <laughs> where you're super focused and relaxed and everything is hitting and then some nights you'll have uh like a high energy night where your your jokes are hitting really hard and then you're you're ad-libbing off of whatever's happening. You're just going off script and you're fucking super animated yeah. or yelling or whatever. Um, just you you kind of feed off the energy that the crowd is giving you. And sometimes it can elevate you and sometimes it's just like a real cool vibe. I don't know. It's hard to explain. You just got to experience it. Like black comics and white comics, right? Like you talk about being deadpan. And, and like I feel like... There's certain white comics that can just go up onto the mic and literally just be like, hey, it's Monday. Yeah. And just be dry and like yeah, yeah. stop for 30 seconds and the crowd goes crazy. crazy. Yeah. You know, and it's like because like some some of them are very good at it though. And there's some of them they're literally doing that just because they don't have like their, you know, that's really um but I feel like with black comics, like we gotta come out and like fuck the stool. Like, you know what yep. I mean? Like we have to like do a song and a dance. Like, you know, it's different. It's different. And I've seen white comics kill saying a hundred words in a set. Like, you know what I mean? Just like just be like, Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how the fuck is this motherfucker killing? It. But it's cadence. That's thing, even look like down to a look. Like you have the comic look, like, and your what you look like comes out of you in your comedy. Like you know what I'm saying? Like your like your energy. You know what I'm saying? So he's like, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I've never been told I have energy before. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, hey, uh, can, can I? Uh, I hate to keep going back, but when earlier you were talking about like you know uh, saying like what you won't say on stage. I, I, have, yeah. a, I have a white uh, homeboy. He's a, he's a white comic. So yeah. one time he's in like a room full of like, it's, it's mostly comics, but it's mainly black comics. So he was like, yeah, man, I like smoking weed. He's like, I have black friends. He's like, before I came, before I came in here tonight, me and my three black friends were in the alley. He's like, I think it's good to have black friends. Perfect situation. He said, we're smoking a joint and the cops pull up. I'm like, how the fuck am I going to get out of this? He's like, right when the cop got out of the car, he's like, officer, thank God you're here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But thank God you showed up with some shit. Yeah. Everybody was like, wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think you push the limits because like, you, whatever. You, you know what you're here for, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you know you're there for some fucking comedy. What was it like for you the first time you got heckled like hard? First time somebody came at you? What was that <laughs> feeling like? Uh, first, it's scary. Um the the worst time that I ever got heckled, granted the the joke was in very poor taste and I threw it away. <laughs> but I was talking about mentally challenged people that work at Fry's. Yeah. Oh, and then I, I was like, Yeah, all the other companies should take a page out of Fry's book. Like if they do build the wall and get rid of uh illegal immigrants, they can just hire 
mentally handicapped people to do those jobs. <laughs> and then I was like, can you imagine uh, like a, a retard doing landscaping and they have like super retard strength and they could just pull like a tree out of the ground with their bare hands. And the joke was really like awful. Uh, and this lady goes, this, la this lady was like super drunk. She's like, you're not funny. <laughs> She's, she was booing me, and and uh, and I go, somebody buy this lady a drink so she'll fall asleep because she was that drunk, you know. <laughs> and so she kept heckling me, so I took off my jacket and I doubled down on on how bad the joke was, and I was like, so anyways, I was saying about retards, and like, so I I attacked her. Yes, his face. I attacked her so hard that it won over the comics because they knew what I was doing. Like I was trying to offend her. Mm -hmm. And so I won the room over by being incredibly offensive. But um, I threw the joke away after that night. I'm like, this is an awful joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I shouldn't have to get a laugh off of being offensive that much. When know? Tez asked me to come get up on stage, <clears throat> I thought I would, the, the first thing I thought of was that he, when he was here, he was joking about, he used to date white girls. And he was like, and now I would date him, and then like the credit would be fucked. And I was gonna be like, well, you know, he said that when he was on the podcast, and we like all laughed it off. But the next day, I got a call from Credit Karma, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just gonna play off something like that because I need that energy. I have to like, yeah. If I, mean, I heard you cackling, even if it wasn't a funny joke, I'd be like, okay, I can make it through the next minute and forty five seconds. Yeah, it doesn't fuck your credit up that bad, right? <laughs> It's, like, 20, gonna... it's 2020 and I've never slept with a black person. So I'm just wondering this... how bad does your credit, does it go down like just a hundred points? Cause there's this guy at work. I always yeah. see him in a shirt Listen, and a tie. I've been, I've been toying with it. So it's like, eh, you You've know, never... see, it's so weird because I know, it, mm, I know. Number one, like as a black guy that's dated a lot of white girls and like, it's so weird to ask a white girl if she's never been with a black guy because it sounds like you're like you're you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, like, you know what? You know what I mean? You they ask all the they, time. Do they? Just get in line. Yep. Uh, okay. Yep. I've so, been asked multiple times. So you <laughs> never like not, and almost never. Nope. You, you have friends that date black guys. Yes. Yeah, cause it's always that one that one friend in the in the white girl group. Like, yep. she likes she likes them. <laughs> you know what? Well, to be fair, she's um, she's like green. She's darker. Like, she's got she she just looks. She, she, she's not white. She not white looking she, like me. She, she, yo, 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 you live she, in HR land. She, she is. She, she looks like she would do that. Yeah, that's, she what she's, say, that's what she wants to well, say. What is she doesn't know what to say. She's like color. I mean, let's just say she looks like she came on the bus to board. Listen, she is thick with two C's. Okay, and your girl is not. So that's what I'm saying. She's got thick ass. She's got this dark thick. hair. She's got like thick. a Spanish looking. Here? Yeah. Look at that. No, she's brought me to international. Oh wow, she definitely hood. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't even date <laughs> chicks to go there. <laughs> Black, white, it don't matter. It's, it was more, yeah, it was more like the group that we were with. Like it was her night to to while out. So uh, we went. It that. was her. Night. I know dudes was on you all you, night. Listen, when you when you got a girl that likes Europeans, me, and then you got the girl that likes black dudes, you can't go to the same place every yeah. night and and get you know mm -hmm. everyone be happy. Mm -hmm. So it was her night, and the group that we were with that she was feeling. You know, homeboy, and we just we so we went it, and uh, yeah, yep, yeah. uh, and they just come right out. They're like, 
Yo, girl, what's up? What are you doing in here? How'd you get in here? They let you in? <laughs> Motherfucker's a door. Yeah, the and, I'm like, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. listen, they it's, didn't pat me down right before we there. came in here, but I, I mean, I got in. And they're like, see, so what's your deal, girl? You like black dudes or what? I'm like, you know, I said, and I literally looked at one guy. I was like, well, you know, you can't knock it till you try it. He's like, girl, you trying to try it tonight? I'm like, nope. <laughs> No. Only girl dodging chocolate on Halloween. I was like, uh, excuse me. No. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Have you gone to any other cities and, and performed? Do you? I have. Yeah, I've uh, I've gone to quite a few different cities. But um, like I've been up through Colorado. I went through there on a tour. Um, I've performed in Vegas. Uh, I've performed in L.A. Um, I performed in New Mexico. Uh, and I'm doing another tour through Colorado, New Mexico in April. Um, but I think that's pretty much it. And then, like, I've done a lot of the cities around here, like Tucson, Miami, Arizona, Flagstaff, Prescott. Where um, is – do you just go to Albuquerque? And Like, I'm just trying to figure out what is in New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico has uh, – The crackhead jokes got to yeah. land in Albuquerque. No, yeah. They, yeah <laughs> Those got to hit Albuquerque real Albuquerque got to be deep on the yeah. druggy well, jokes. Yeah. Farmington. Farmington, New Mexico actually has a little comedy scene. Yeah? Yeah, Farmington is where we're going uh, in April. And then um, – yeah, I've done I've done a few different cities now that I think about it. Is Denver welcoming for comics? Um, yeah, Denver is actually pretty cool. It's probably one of the nicer states. Yeah, out of anywhere else that I've shout gone. out to Denver. We're on our way. It's because everyone's high. I know, high yeah. as fuck. Yeah. Hey, you're not Marcus. <laughs> no, Martez. Oh shit, bro. Oh, shit. Martez. <laughs> no, that's cool. Fuck it, you're next. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go with him to California. Like California's his spot. Yeah. Well, that's what I tell people anyway. <laughs> Wait, how'd you guys meet? Where'd you guys meet at? I mean, I know how you guys met, but we just ran into each other at an open mic. He's he's kind of like new to town and ended up rolling through uh, the Quail and Boycott, and then we just kind of met up there. Yeah. Actually, you came into Boycott the first night that I talked to the venue about taking over the mic. Yeah. So they were running the open mic there for a while, and the guy who was running it just disappeared and stopped running it. Yeah. So we showed up one night looking to get on the open mic and they're like oh he hasn't been here got in a nobody here months. yeah so i'm like i'll fucking run it so yeah. they it's, let me take over it's crazy because that's my that's my <clears throat> that's my folks but it, it was it's, it's kind of crazy that you got it but um yeah we did some business some um, a little bit prior to that yeah. but i'm glad you got it and i think it's, it's gonna turn into something great one thing about when i met him when i was talking about like you know the you can kind of see and talk to people that kind of yeah. you feel like have it and understand the comedy game. You know, a lot of people try to get in for a quick buck or just to say I, they did it to do it. Like you can tell somebody that's committed and someone who loves it. And I don't know from just our first conversation, I was just like, he reminds me of the guys back home. Like mm. you know, he 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 just his respect for comedy. You know what I mean? It's kind of what drew me to him. You know. Yeah. Um, been talking about shooting a couple sketches um, with him. I don't know if he's, he'd be down yeah. for it, but um, I see him in a lot of stuff other than the stage, man. So even like small like acting parts and stuff, I think we, we'd work well together. So, yeah. you know. It's yeah. crazy how just with a skill like that, how diverse it is to me. It's also interesting. I, I noticed this several years ago. The thing that got me into, uh, as a fan, just comedy in general, because I've always – I mean, you know, I've always liked funny stuff, but I would say it wasn't until the last probably six or, I don't know, five or six years that I really started seeking out comedy 
and specifically stand up because I was, when I was living in DC, I would do a lot of driving to North Carolina and I, it would be a lot of like really early morning or really late at night. And what I realized was when I had on comedy, when I would just put on like a Pandora channel or something, it would keep me engaged and it would keep me awake. And that's when I started listening to it more regularly. And it's been really interesting for me because I've learned a lot of the, I'm a pretty big reader and a lot of the books that I've picked up or a lot of the um, podcasts that I listen to or even social issues that I learn more about. I hear those things in comedy and I, it's, it, it, that's kind of a, that's kind of, I guess, a um, like a ripple effect of, of what ended up being this podcast. Like we, you know, we do this so we can talk to people that are outside of our norm and that we, you know, think have interesting things and, and intellectual things about them. But that's kind of probably where I started that whole self-discovery of finding things that are outside of my own zone was through comedy because people, people talk about anything and I don't know to me it was just yeah comedy is a big uh like a big part of comedy is getting outside of your comfort zone and like for you where you're you want to do it but you don't like you got to push yourself to get on stage doing it the first time is the hardest time yep to actually get up for the first time that's the hardest one you'll ever do so you have to just like push yourself it's like jumping off the high dive just do it Get it over you say with. you think it gets easier every time? Yeah, there's nothing harder than going up at, for your first time. Like mm-hmm. that's definitely the hardest one. So it's always like pretty special whenever we get first timers that come to the open mic because we get to share in that moment with them where yeah. they where they take the leap. And so and then there's a lot of support too because everyone knows it's your first time. <clears throat> yeah, but have you ever had somebody that's just so bad that you like you pull them aside and you're like, hey, hey, no. thanks for coming. Yeah, and they still are doing it years yeah. later. Yep, exactly. <laughs> really? Yeah. There's there's yeah. dudes, man, that like that should not be doing it. Sometimes yeah. they're so bad that you laugh because and it's, it's that's their thing. It's they're like secondhand so embarrassment. They, yeah. You're like, you please laugh. stop. Some what sucks is like sometimes there will be somebody who's really good that just that only does it for a month and then they quit. Yeah. And then there's people that suck that do it forever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like God. <laughs> Motherfucker, get a job. Yeah. You're still here, God. We heard that joke three years ago. Yeah. God, dude. But what, what scares me? What scares me though is that when I meet people that just, I feel like I would be a, a great caster because I see something in people that they don't see. You know how many people I've told push to do comedy that never would get on stage in their first night and they kill, like. I don't know, man. There's just so many people that have it and that never get on stage or never even do anything with it, man. And that's what's scary. Mm-hmm. It know? seems like the buffer time to figure out what your ideal delivery is is would probably be the hardest part for me. Yeah. Because we talk about things here and it's such a relaxing environment. But then, like last week after you asked me and I was walking around the living room trying to think of funny shit, mm-hmm. in my, when I... When I and and just because of the show, I've started writing down things in my notes that are funny that happen throughout the day, or that we can talk about, or that I think of to mention or ask. But then when I go back and I revisit those things, I'm like, yeah, this shit ain't funny. <laughs> See, the, there's it's a being naturally funny though, and being able. I think that's my biggest fear is that you know I'm I've always been like naturally fun or witty, but what's there, there's a difference between being witty and 
and funny with your friends and then actually getting up and delivering yeah. in front of a crowd. I think yeah. that's where I yeah. where I feel like I would struggle is yeah. deliver like the timing and the pause and all of that stuff. I don't know that I would have that. Yeah. Well, there's a catch 22 to this whole situation, which is a lot of people that I've talked to that want to do comedy and I'm like, "Well, just go to an open mic." Well, I need to like I need to write some jokes. I need to like work out my material. You don't have any fucking material. <laughs> yeah. You'll never know how to write a joke until you get on stage. Yeah. Well, I got to work on my shit. You don't know what, like, yeah. you don't know how to write you a joke. You don't have shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, I, I thought yeah. about that because I thought, you know what, if I just go up there and get up, like, even if it's the worst thing, I can stand there for three minutes and look like a dickhead. Yeah. And then I, if at the worst, I just never do it again. But also, generally when I'm in the spur of the moment is when I am the most relaxed. Yeah. And yeah, if well, I am like, if, if, if I were sitting there and I felt uncomfortable or like, I just looked at you and I would probably just relax and just start talking. And then that's when, what little percentage I am in my life. That's funny. That's when I'm the most yeah. funny. What would be your recommendation for somebody who, who's like, you know, I've been thinking about doing it, do, you know, for me, cause I've written yeah. stuff. Do I get up and do the stuff I've written, or you just say, hey, you know what, wing it. Just the, get on stage, see what happens. Don't just wing it, but also don't <laughs> overthink it. Okay. So the best thing, the best advice I can give you is write down three ideas that you think are funny, mm -hmm. just three things, and go on stage and see if they're funny. Because you'll never know how to write a joke if you don't get on stage and see how it feels to like tell a joke. Right. And then you're like, oh, that doesn't work, but I bet this would work. It's all about figuring it out. Um, there's a, there's a really cool, um, I don't know if it's like a story or like, uh, well, anyways, it goes like this, right? There's a, there's a, a college professor, uh, who wants to be a lifeguard. So he's spent all of his life reading books about how to swim and how to like, you know, do CPR, but he'd never, he never got in the water. And then there's a lifeguard that spent his whole life swimming in the water but never read any, any of these books. If you were drowning, who would you want to come save you? The person that knows how to swim. The, the person that's already been in the water and has spent his time there, you know. I mean, you can read all the books you want and think about it all you want, but until you actually do it, like, you don't know, you have no idea yeah. what, it, what it is to be up there, so. Can, can I give some advice to that? Like, for people that are naturally funny, number one, record yourself. Like, just turn on your camera one day, like, while you're in the bathroom and just talk to it. The first three minutes are going to be weird as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but by that fourth minute... We've talked about <laughs> setting up cameras in places, man. Like, we've had this discussion. But, yeah, like, and, and, and then another thing, too, if I can give any advice is they don't remember you when you, when you bomb. And they don't remember you when, you're, when you do good. Yeah. We're comics. We're around each other every week. Different mics and stuff. Like... I've seen dudes who I thought were horrible and then literally two weeks later kill. Like, I mean, tear shit down. And I'm like, why was he so bad two weeks ago? Yeah. It's energy. It's confidence. Like, but you have to... Dave Chappelle makes his return four or five years ago. First five minutes, Dave, Dave, Dave. After five minutes, boo, why? Because he wasn't on stage. He, he was just getting back. It's cold. Yeah. Martin Lawrence comes back the first five minutes. Martin, after that motherfucker, be funny. Yeah. Why do you think Martin Lawrence is now not Martin Lawrence, but Eddie Murphy is now finally saying I'll come back to the game? He knew 
you're only going to get five minutes of uh, hey Eddie we want to see you be fucking funny yeah. you know what yeah. I mean so but for us in their case when you're working and you're new man I just had them nights where I could just go up there and wing because you know why I mean obviously I, I feel like I established myself with my brand and stuff but like nobody's going to remember you when you're new that you did that you bombed or you forgot you you went like a deer in the headlights when you do good nobody's going to come up to you like I need your autograph you know what yeah. I mean so kind of take that into account that like if it like it's it's gonna all be foreign and like it doesn't matter. Only matters to you how you feel after you get off stage. One of the things that I love about comedy is it's uh, it's like so fair to everyone who's in it. Like everybody gets a turn to to have a killer set. Doesn't matter. Um, it's like a rotation. Like some people will will do good for a month and then they'll bomb for a month. And then other people, you know, people who have been bombing will have a great set. It's a constant rotation. It's like it's so equal and even across the board that everybody gets a chance to feel what it's like to do good and to feel what it's like to eat shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, and a big part of it, uh, a big part that nobody really sees is that a lot of comedy is eating shit. A lot of it. A lot of it. Because you got to like go through that to figure out what doesn't work. All of the stuff that you see on TV is like the final take. Yep. Like the the stadium performance. You know, when you see somebody performing an HBO special, like an hour of material, it took them like a year to get that hour yeah. polished and refined and like to get every punchline to hit. Yeah. A year of performing those jokes yeah. over and over and over again and sculpting them just the way they want to get that big audience to have that perfect set. Like a lot of it's trial and error, so yep. you got to like learn how to take a bomb and like, and it hurts, and you got to yeah. be able to get get up the next day and get back on stage. Keep going. What's so. your What's your sweet spot of a set? How much do you like to do? Uh, I recent like I I recently did a twenty five minute feature set, and that felt really good because I got to stretch my legs. I have a lot of you know like four or five minute long jokes. Yeah. So I got to really kind of open up. Um, I'd say uh, I do pretty good at a host set, but I'd say anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes is where I feel super comfortable doing good stuff. Set, yeah. That's, that takes years. Good stuff. It took me my entire, you know, six years of doing comedy to get, to be able to be comfortable doing 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Like it takes that amount of work. <laughs> how many, how, how often are you on stage? Uh, usually every night, yeah. you know, sometimes, Six nights a week. Some I don't go up on Sundays, uh, but usually about six times, six nights a week. Very Some, Chick-fil-A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I don't have my sweet tea. I can't go on the stage. Man, the man is closed on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> That's my me time. It's my personal time. <laughs> yeah. I when One of the craziest things to me is how, you know, I don't know as far as like a side job or a side hustle, whatever you want to call it. Because I think a lot of us have things that we, we have day jobs, but like we all have other things we're striving for. And I don't know if there's anything that takes more commitment. I mean, last time we were here, you, after here, you left and went and got on stage mm -hmm. and we didn't finish here till almost like midnight. Yeah. Where'd you go? I do not remember. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, where the hell did you go at midnight? We were, we were. It probably was late. It probably was late. I don't know if it's exactly midnight. Is Lamar still doing that Friday night show out? The like the one o'clock in the morning show. 
out on 43rd Avenue in Thomas. I don't know. I've never, I've never been to it. Uh, I don't know. That's the, that's the time slot I need. Yeah. 1 a.m. We'll go do it. Everybody's too drunk. Black schedule. But, yeah, that's, uh, a, that's a black, black schedule. schedule. Yeah, black schedule. It's schedule. totally, like, I don't know if he's doing it anymore, but it's definitely a black show. Like, it is like an underground, totally illegal room. Sweet. Where they're serving alcohol till four in the morning. Perfect. And they're fucking frying fish. And, like, you get Oh, it's definitely like, called yeah. the plantation. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the white people get married though. there. Yeah. <laughs> it's badass, though. And I'll be the tilapia showing up at That's 2 a.m. ready it. to perform. That's why they got to do it. Somebody say there was a fish fry. That's why they got to do it at 1 a.m. on a Friday because all the white people got to get married on Saturday. They're like, sorry, the only slot we can give you is 1 a.m. Do you have any place to pack your car? So you tried to get out of front, but I, uh, your packing spots are a little weak. Well, dude, man, I'm stoked that you came to talk to us. Uh, I think this is just going to be a, a great, uh, you know, we wanted to use this segment and use this platform for people to get out and talk and kind of get to know people. Yeah. Um, so I'm stoked that you're here. I, I, I have committed to coming and hopping. I, I'd be thrilled to do it. I mean, I, I think that that's part of the premise of this is what kind of things get us out of our comfort zone. You know, what do people do to, to push themselves in their own ways? Because we realize that everybody has different ways to, to push their own limits. And I think that, you know, it's it's cool to hear everybody's stories and and the things they're doing. So I'm stoked that you came. Yeah. Can we get a commitment for y'all on Wednesday night? <laughs> this no. Wednesday. Don't this pressure Wednesday. them. Yo, then yo, they won't yo. Come. The thing about it is, I don't even want y'all to get on stage when you come. I just want you to experience it. Oh, yeah. come. oh we'll then hell, sure I'm yeah. free on Wednesday. <laughs> but if you were going to ask me to go on stage, I may. I've been feeling sick, and I just, you know, we weren't going to be sure if we were going to make it. Yeah, I'll show up. I'll yeah, come. the best thing to do sometimes is just watch an open mic and see what it's like. Yeah, and then and then you have a better idea. I have a I have a slight taste because I did before we did the band thing. I did plenty of open mic nights. Yeah. with music, and it's probably not yeah. as I don't I don't know. Maybe it is just. I, I mean, obviously, I can't tell, but. I don't know if it's as vulnerable, if it's not as vulnerable, but um, well, with a band, you've got people up there with you. But with well, I've done it just yeah. solo. It's bungee yeah. jumping versus yeah. skydiving. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, when yeah. you go skydiving, you got somebody strapped to your back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you're doing an open mic comedy, I feel like it's like bungee. Jumping. I think I'd rather, I, but I prefer bungee fling. jumping. Yeah, you gotta fling yourself off. You yeah, say. I'd love to, because if I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna hit quicker. If yeah. I'm skydiving. It's a long way down to think about it. <laughs> you said just have just have your bullet points, but we'll we'll go over it. We'll we'll get some get some yeah. stuff ready for the first time we hit the stage. The invitation is always open. So if all you right, guys well let's stop let's by. invite everybody. Yeah. Wednesday, wh where are we going? Where are we going Wednesday night? Uh, boycott bar on Seventh Avenue and um, Glen Rosa, I believe. It's yeah. like yeah, in the I don't speak bar. I don't speak in Crossroads yet. So <laughs> yeah, she she <laughs> you're gonna have to <laughs> as smart as she is, Drop she does not understand yeah, the grid yeah. system. Yeah, there's only one boycott bar. In boycott Phoenix. bar. Yeah, so it's, yeah. boycott bar Phoenix. What time? Wednesday night. Uh, nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Nine, nine o'clock. And what's your group? What's your website? Uh, my website, my personal website, which has information on it for the show, is DerekMcFarland.me. Um, the Facebook page is Castaway Comedy, and that's what uh, all of my stuff is. Castaway Comedy on social media, like any any stuff that's associated with the show. Castaway comedy. What's yours? We didn't get your handle last time. I need you. We need you. Um, my IG is martezj215. Um, my Facebook is just for family. I don't even use that motherfucker. 
Wow. Lost me a couple jobs, so you know what I mean. Trying to keep my we'll get you on that. We'll just get you on IG. Yeah, you know what I mean. And um, I got a, I got my own um, show coming up um, every Thursday, starting on February twentieth. It's on the south side of Phoenix, where the G's at, <laughs> nigga them. I think they like driving like um, little colored kids over there on buses to come to my where show. Where the hood? Where the hood? Where the hood at? Where the What's, hood? Where, where the hood? Where, where is it again? Just drop some DMX on everybody. So. Are we cool? I'm like the only motherfucker. Your credit score we, just dropped. Um, we, you are now. We're with, we're with, we're with Martez. Can we come in here? Martez, we're kind of is he homies. in the building? Yeah. He sent me a he sent me a note on my uh, telephone. I tried to text him back, uh, but it just didn't go through. Is he available? Where's it at? Where's it at? Um, it's at this um Jamaican um um Jamaican restaurant called um Island Vibes on the oh, south side. Oh fuck yeah! All right, Island let's Vibes. Let's That's there. February twenty third. You said uh, February twentieth, and it'll be February every 20th. Thursday from um from there. But I I'll, um hopefully I'll be back before before then we can promote it a little bit more. I have flyers and stuff. Word. So I'm excited. All right, dudes. Thanks for coming. This is our yeah. first ever monthly comedy roundup. I thought it was pretty Ooh. kick-ass. Yeah, yeah. Pretty awesome. Thank you guys for thanks, having y'all. us, dude. I got a pee.